welcome to the Untribal Podcast, the show that gives you news content by regular people for regular people. Today we're joined by uh, the councillor from Cooper, uh, ex-disabled athlete and now running for North East Fife in the next general election for the SNP. It's Stefan Hogg, uh, ladies and gents. How are you doing today, Stefan? You all I'm right? very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Tell us about your story, Stefan. Um, interesting story, I suppose. Uh, I was uh, born with half an arm um, and I really was really good at swimming and um, stuck with with swimming for a very, very long time. Um, long story short, I'm, I just missed out on the Commonwealth Games by two one hundredths of a second, wow. uh, the Glasgow Games. Um, so that was devastating. Um, I then went to British Triathlon and competed for Great Britain five times, um, finishing sixth in the world in the Detroit Triathlon. And then in 2016, retired to focus on politics and um, pushing the independence cause for, for Scotland. Do you think that was a, a backwards or a forward step? <laughs> Focusing oh. <laughs> on politics. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think it was probably a sideways step in many right. respects. That um, swimming, and swimming in particular was a massive passion of mine and yep. still is a massive passion of mine. Um, and then going into politics is obviously... Um, I don't know if it's a natural progression, but it's a progression that um, certainly makes me uh, very happy to be able to to help people and make a difference and hopefully gain our independence one day. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how you get on this year as well. You might get elected and it'll certainly feel like a forward step, that's for sure. So tell us a little bit about though that, you know, that journey, getting into swimming and all that. Was it, you know, was it, were you literally doing it from you know, from out the womb or... Yeah, so my mum used to take me swimming uh, as soon as I had my first jags. Um, I, my mum used to take me swimming um, and I was a water baby. She could let me go at like a few months old and I would just splash about on my back and kick my legs and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then when I was about three, um, three or four, um, I was picked up by uh, Disability Sport Fife, which is one of the biggest um, disability, regional disability uh, charities in Scotland. And they invited me along to a disabled swimming lesson and, yeah, just kept going, started training or started learning to have fun uh, with swimming and then started training. I remember my coach, my very first coach, I must have been about five or six, and uh, my coach, Richard Brickley, um of a disability sport fife he used to always got on at me because i used to spend more time at the bottom of the pool like just pretend to be a mermaid and <laughs> actually on top of the pool like, video on holiday yeah like, and he, <laughs> yeah his, his, his hand just used to come into the pool and grab me and pull me up to the surface like stay on the top of the water <laughs> no, that's cool man uh, did you ever play any other sports or was it just was it just no swimming? it was always yeah. swimming um yeah. I, I never i was never interested in any other sports yeah and when did the passion for politics begin was it when you got sick of swimming or was it um i think it was probably around about the 2010 general election um i think with labor not doing well but still me my my beliefs being left wing um and then obviously seeing david cameron coming in and um then making a coalition with uh, the lib dems which destroyed the lib dems and still they're still suffering to this day um i think that that was when my interest really got peaked around about the 2010 um i was 18 and it was starting to affect my like politics was starting to affect my life and um in many respects and obviously politics affects your life from when you're born but when you become an adult and you realize that you're paying taxes and you're doing all these different things and um you've got a tory government in westminster that you definitely didn't vote for um 
I, I'm happy to admit in my first uh, general election I voted Labour um, for Gordon Brown because that is who was available at the time. I, I wasn't um, as uh, in, into politics to know too much about the SNP and things like that at that point. I was very much on the fringes of politics um, as, a, as an onlooker rather than somebody that took part in politics. Um, that very much changed um and became um an smp member in 2013 mm. yeah it's interesting because every lib dame that i speak to now they just talk about 2010 with so much regret yeah it's i don't actually know anyone that felt like it was a popular decision at the time mm. it didn't it felt like it was very against the will of the members of the lib dames at the time i even spoke to like when willie rennie first came on the podcast he was saying you know, I could see the like the size and the <laughs> regret in them when talking about twenty ten. It's like, how did they let that happen? You know, it just it just scattered their whole identity, didn't it? Yeah. Well, I, yes and no in a way because actually, as as far as I'm concerned, the Lib Dems have always been fence sitters. They've always tried to please everybody and actually they end up doing nothing and pleasing nobody because they're never in power. They've never got any power. They just uh, talk about all these things that they want. Um, and they talked about all these great things and some of them were fantastic like scrapping tuition fees in England um, like the SNP have done in Scotland and then they got that grasp of power that, that sniff of power in 2010 and just rode back on any of their good policies um, and then they, they claimed oh but it was for the greater good it was for the good of the country to have a stable government and like, but you put, uh, you put uh, David Cameron and the Tories into Downing Street for five years Five years later, you were annihilated as a party um, and are still suffering to this day. And people don't trust you, and especially young people don't trust you. Why would they? Why would they trust you when they know? And it's the same people that are in power. Ed Davies, uh, Willie Rennie, they, they were all still around in 2010. So it's not like the top guard has changed suddenly for it to not be, yeah, okay, Nick Clegg's out of the picture now, but he's in a multi-million pound job with Facebook. So how can you trust them? You mentioned a, a, an intriguing word there. You said, "Admit, I don't, I'm happy to admit that I voted Labour in 2010. Why is it that f some people feel ashamed of past voting records? Why is it that people almost feel like, oh, if you've not been there for the start, then you're not as valued a member of, of a party as, as someone that's been there? You know, why, why, is, why is that such a negative connotation in your mind? Um, that's a really good question. I'm not sure. I think... I think it's just kind of it, it's put into you like people people maybe say something like oh you're not a true you're not a true party um loyalist because you you didn't always support but i didn't know really about the smp at that point and i think of a hud then like, it's not like we used to win loads of elections and things like that. yes okay we were, we were in power in the scottish parliament but again i was very much on the fringes of politics my my interests hadn't my interests were very much on swimming at that point and trying to make it to glasgow and trying to make it to 2012 paralympics so i was very much on the the fringes of, of politics looking in um and i was learning and i think that a lot of people are, and i probably well i'm not probably a massive amount of our vote the smp vote is former labor members and and voters and they've seen that apart from jeremy corbyn who was probably the best leader of the Labour Party for a long, long time in terms of left-wing progressive politics, which that's what I stand for and that's what I believe in. Um, apart from him, they're Tory light. 
look at Keir Starmer. <laughs> Not often that I agree with Rishi Sunak, but he stood up in the Parliament the other day and, and said about the 30 U-turns that um, Keir Starmer's made. I think it's probably more than that at this point. He's now rode back on the Green Deal, which was huge. Uh, it was a huge policy. Um, £28 billion um, a year. And now they're talking about £4.6 billion. It's just U-turn after U-turn. And where do we go from? Where do they go from here? We're gonna. They're going to have five years in power. I think everybody admits that Labour are going to win the next general election. They're not going to win in Scotland, but they're going to win the next general election. Keir Starmer is going to be the next Prime Minister. Um, and he is going to be in power for five years. He's going to blame the Tories for collapsing the economy for five years. And then it might be Suella, it might be Boris Johnson again, are going to come back in because Keir does not have a vision for the future. He doesn't have a vision for the country. Scotland isn't mentioned once in his um, pre-manifesto launch, not once, but he talks about how he needs Scotland and Labour can't win without Scotland. It's nonsense. Labour can win. The SNP could win every seat in Scotland and Labour could still win a, a huge majority in Westminster and, and probably will because the SNP are going to win a load of, load of seats and the majority of seats in Scotland and Keir's still going to be Prime Minister. So I think it's it's a huge um it's a huge thing being part of a political party and finding where you fit and yes okay and I, I say I, I I voted for for um labor in 2010 but then very shortly and that was actually because um I said to you off air before we came on that was because of a, a teacher that I had who was a fantastic uh, modern studies teacher um local labor activist and um, he really got me more involved in politics. And of course, when you're, you're younger, you're more influenced by the, the older people that you look up to and respect. Um, but then very quickly, I discovered the SNP and the Greens, and I was trying to find where I belong politically, where do my views lie? And ultimately, that's with the Scottish National Party and with independence. Mm. It's interesting, though, but even even with that really well-rounded explanation uh, you still go to the sort of explanation of oh but it was my modern studies teacher or it was it's all, there's <laughs> always a button i wonder if that's something that's specific to the independence uh movement in which there is a big wing of the party i call it the braveheart wing mm -hmm. who are, are so passionate and patriotic by the way nothing wrong with that because i'm, I'm a very patriotic guy myself uh, but there's almost that wing of the party that can be accused of they want independence for independence sake and if you've not continuously thought that way or had any doubts about the movement then you're not in in their tier of independent supporters if yeah. that makes sense um yeah i, I think I, I agree there are those there are those people um my support for independence has been since i was a little boy um that that had and that didn't really factor into the whole labor thing in 2010 it was more that i didn't like the tories and it, it, my hatred for for the tories and i'll use nicholas sturgeon's term and say i detest the tories and i do detest the tories i detest what they stand for not individual people well maybe some individual people <laughs> um but i detest what they stand for and what they are doing to people across the country um but i think that politics is so important and i, I feel really disheartened and this was even before i was involved in politics but because of the financial crash because of um the iraq war 
people are and the expenses scandal people are so much less interested in politics or take politicians seriously so when you do get good decent politicians which the majority of us are you you're, you're tarred with that brush it's like lawyers like everybody think oh you're a lawyer like oh no but actually most lawyers are really good decent people that work hard but they're tarnished with this kind of brush of of not being um and that can really harm the good that we try and do sometimes because people think we've got an ulterior motive or we're trying to do something for our own gain and that's that's not the case the majority of the time of course you you're going to get bad eggs you always are um unfortunately we had boris johnson as prime minister he was a bad egg he he did not want what was best for the country um but but overall the majority of us do and that's why that's certainly why i'm in politics i got into politics because i was i'm, I'm disabled i'm also a gay man um i've grown up around loads of disabilities because of the sport that i've been involved with and i want to be I, that person that can try and make a difference and make lives of of people better and i didn't come out as gay until i was 23 i'm 31 now so i've not even been out the closet um 10 years and i've already i've been married already um i'm about to get divorced <laughs> um, and, and like but oh, i have the right to do that as a gay man only since 2014 That's so it's, it. it's only been 10 years since i've had the right to marry the person that i love and then divorce the person that i love it feels like that should have been a lifetime ago yeah but it's mad how it was only in 2014 yeah do you feel um like since 2014 for example do you feel more accepted when you're out and about do you feel like you can truly be yourself in ways that you potentially didn't beforehand before that vote um i know that was about marriage specifically but it felt like a milestone in changing of the garden how yeah. do you view people in society if that makes sense i think yes in a way but also because i didn't come out until 2016 i didn't live my life out as an out gay man before that vote so as long as i've been out i have been able to marry um whoever i want um so in that respect um it, it, it's hard for me to answer that but yes there's definitely a huge shift um because you suddenly feel equal and it's that fact that you can go to a party with your husband and it's your husband it's not just your civil partner mm. and you're on equal standing to the straight couple that are sitting next to you the in the bar or whatever and i think that it's just the quality of it makes it so much better mm. I'll, I'll i've got another story for you though something very similar but to do with my disability in 2012 when uh, london hosted the paralympics i just missed out on the the paralympic games um but i was training during the paralympics and they must have only been on for maybe uh, three or four days and I was at Carnegie swimming uh, pool in Dunfermline where I trained and I walked onto poolside there was a little kid he must have been about I don't know four or five um, and he went mom 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 look that boy's got half an arm and that's nothing unusual like kids are inquisitive and I encourage kids to to come up and ask me any questions that they've got about my disability because that's how they learn um, and I just smiled um, and then the mum said something i wasn't sure what, what they said and then the kid said oh that's so cool he could be in the paralympics and he didn't quite say paralympics because it's a hard word to say but he, he said it and my heart just grew 
because I was just like that the Paralympics has only been on for three or four days and the difference and the awareness that just that has had and that a big part of that is down to Channel 4 and the fantastic work they did promoting um, uh, disabled people throughout the whole of 2014 sorry 2012 and even up till now they've got um, so many more disabled presenters they're behind the screen talent um, they, I think they try and keep it at 25% of their behind the screen talent has some sort of disability which is higher than the the population average of, of 20% um, so just that moment just kind of melted my heart because oh, that has made a difference yeah absolutely you must have been so proud as well getting that far as you did yeah. and, and, uh, as an athlete it's honestly it's commendable and that you know it's you know, it's, it's not the same uh, as your self-experience whatsoever, but just even someone pointing out something like an insecurity that you have and being able to embrace that and have an attitude out there that wants people to learn and and embrace it and speak about it. I, f- I just find that attitude commendable. So, yeah, yeah no, fair play. Thank you. Um, so you are running for Northeast Fife at this next I general am. election. You're up against Wendy Chamberlain. Yes. What sets you apart from Wendy Chamberlain? Um, oh it would be easier to, to tell you what we had in common to be perfectly honest because there's not very much yeah so the, there's the massive differences uh, between myself and, and wendy's chamberlain the main one to be perfectly honest is the fact that i can actually do something as an smp politician for the people of northeast fife the lib dems aren't in power and haven't been in power um they, they had that brief moment in power in 2010 like we discussed earlier and they failed they failed miserably they they haven't done anything for Northeast Fife. But are you saying, sorry to interrupt you there, uh, are you saying that you can only do something for your people as an MP if you're corresponding to the government? Surely no, that's no, not true. no, definitely, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the the people of if Northeast Fife have voted for the Lib Dems on repeat uh, repeated times, many times, sorry, and they've not getting anything for it. They're not ha- they're not got that voice. The the people are putting their faith in the Lib Dems time and time again and their voices are clearly not strong enough because they're not getting what the people of Northeast Fife deserve. Um and I believe that I have that voice and strong enough voice to be able to to do that and to be able to get things done for the people of Northeast Fife. And the fact that I have lived there since I was three years old. I'm part of the community. People know me. I know what's what's going on. I know the the major issues in the area i've been a councillor there now for two years um and i believe that i've got that voice to be able to um help the people in northeast fife and to be able to improve their lives mm. so i mean i'm not from northeast fife i'm very much an emerald man so i don't know the local issues up there what is it if you were on day one what would you want done and how would you do it yeah, so the biggest thing I think for Northeast Fife at the, at the minute, well, there's two. So farming is a big issue um, because of Brexit. The farmers in Northeast Fife are really struggling, so we need to do something for them. Um, what that exactly is, I'm not sure, but I would like to sit down with the farmers there, find out what they need, find out um, the situation that they're in, and, and try and figure out a way to help them move forward. Um, the second thing um, that that's a huge issue at the moment, not just Northeast Fife, um, but across the whole of the Fife coastal line is coastal erosion. 
coastal erosion is a huge problem um, down Pitt and Weems and Andrews and Struther. Their harbours have been decimated and it's going to cost hundreds of thousands of pounds to fix. Um, down in Leaven as well, I was down there with Jenny Ruth the other day um, and their whole harbour wall, uh, their whole car park uh, down the waterfront uh, where all the amusements are and the soft play area, um, the car park is pretty much in the sea. The wall is gone. Um, and we need Fife Council first and foremost to step up and help um, but there's just so much that needs to be done there So what do you think Wendy Chamberlain should have been doing for the past uh, you know, however long she's been in that seat and why is it this lack of voice being a Lib Dem representative which has meant that she can't do what she set out to do Yeah, well first and foremost she's not visible I have I have lived in North East Fife. I am from North East Fife, um, from for the last um five years that that she's been uh oh, sorry last yeah well it will be five years this year, um since she's been an MP. Um, I've only met her once, and I'm a politician. I'm a, a councillor in the area. I've only met her once. Um, she's never on the ground. She's never out and about. And when she is, it's for a wee video with Willie Rennie to say, hey, I'm standing on a road that needs fixed. That's got nothing to do with you, Wendy, because you're. Our, your remit is not fixing roads that's Fife Council you're an MP um, or it's um, for a, a, a charity which is obviously very commendable but it's only when there's a camera there um, there's famous famously within uh, North East Fife we joke about the Lib Dems are only there if there's a um, some limelight uh, because they turn up they get their photo taken there's been numerous events that have been um, been at an event and Willie Rennie's turned up had his photo taken spoken to somebody for five minutes and left um, the councillors are the same. They turn up to meetings, they say something on record, and then they leave the meeting um, because they just want to be seen, they want to be heard. But are they actually doing anything? I don't believe they are. Not not as much as they should be. So that's interesting because the Lib Dems very much pride themselves on the the underworking party that gets stuff done for your community. I know the guy actually in Leith Walk, councillor Jack, he's actually a great guy. He does a lot for his community, and he very much says that you know Lib Dems this is what we take pride in and local issues and getting mm -hmm. stuff done are you saying that experience is very much not the case in North East Fife? Um, I would say the majority um, of it is not I will um, put my hands up and say we have some very good councillors um, in the Lib Dems in North East Fife um, I'll not name names because they'll get big headed but they are there are some very good councillors in North East Fife that do wonders um, for their communities but generally yes I don't see um, Willie Rennie out there unless there's a, a camera um, or he'll be chapping doors but then there'll be another camera or there'll be um, he'll for instance <laughs> Willie and uh, Wendy put out a video a couple of weeks ago on social media talking about Low Road and Ochtermachty and about the speeding in Low Road and Ochtermachty and they're standing here and they're like we're here on Low Road and Ochtermachty now I li have lived in Ochtermachty since I was three years old they were not standing on Low Road for a sec so they're talking about a road and speeding which is neither of their 40s and they weren't even standing on the road that they were supposed to be standing on. So that's how that's how much they know about the local communities is that they're not even on the road that they're standing talking about. Oh my! God. And I was watching it, and I I restrained myself so hard not to comment on their social medias, and I relied on the other people of the public to go. That's not where you are. Oh no! Uh, but that's just an example of it. Yeah, Christ. What do you think the powers of Scottish independence would do for local government, in your opinion? The way that local government is is run needs to be more local. It needs to go back in 
to the um, the smaller council areas. Fife Council is a huge council. It takes in the whole city of Dunfermline, when the eighth city in Scotland now, from King Carden Bridge all the way around. I think it's 126 miles if you drive from the King Carden Bridge around the coast to Newburgh. It's a huge area, far too big. North East Fife could be a council on its own, and I. I believe that, that 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 is what needs to be done. With the powers of independence, we can actually have the resources and the money and the ability to do things like that. Because at the minute, and I know that my opponents would turn around and say the Scottish government has the power to be able to do that just now. In many respects, it does have the power to be able to do that just now. But how is it supposed to do that with a finite budget? Uh, that has been reduced and reduced and reduced and is now, what, £10 billion less than it was um, a few years ago. Now, how is that fair? And in Scotland, in an independent Scotland, we will have difficulties and nobody's shying away from that. It's not It's not going to be the land of milk and honey all of the time. We're going to have difficulties. Financial crash, for instance. There's no... Scotland being independent at that point wouldn't have stopped Scotland suffering. However, the things that we would be able to avoid is Liz Truss's mini-budget. It would be the cost of living crisis just now. Actually being able to run an open economy that thrives and helps people, that builds infrastructure. Um, just look at the infrastructure projects that the Scottish Government's been able to do um, with its budget since um, since it came into power. You've got the Queensferry Crossing that came in under budget. You've got the Aberdeen Bypass. Now, my dad lives near Turriff now. That Aberdeen bypass saves me about an hour and a half every single time I go and visit them. Now, these are the things, the jewel in the A9. These are the things that we need to be doing to build our economy and to, to do it. And we could be doing so much more. Opening railway lines. You've got the Leaving Mouth Rail Link. That's getting opened. That is going to be huge for the the economy of North East Fife and Leaving Mouth. But we could do so much more. Because if we had the powers of ind independence, we could borrow. We can decide where we're wanting to spend our money in the nhs in scotland for instance we have the the budget depending on how much the um the westminster government spends on health in england we get a percentage of that to spend on the health service in scotland the scottish government pays more out of they find more money out of their budget they take away things to be able to pay for more nhs or, or a better nhs and that's why we've got the best nhs in the country yeah so you've got the Lib Dems who put out these leaflets, mass leaflets, um, across Northeast Fife uh, on, a, on almost a weekly basis. They put out these fake newspapers and they say, the Scottish government needs to spend money on this. The Scottish government needs to spend money on this. The Scottish government needs to spend money on this. Okay, totally agree. I agree with pretty much the, what they say. We do. That is what the Scottish government. Where do we get the money from? And if you want us to spend money on that, where are we taking it from? Because if we spend say x amount on whatever it is that they're wanting this week the scottish government's fun um money is finite we we have a block grant and we cannot spend more than that we are stuck within that money so if we spend money on that we have to cut something else but they the lib dems will never tell you what they want cut they just want us to spend more money they're like spend more money we can't do that because that's not the way it works of course you could reform services and make them 
you know. Yes, and I think I think the Scottish government have a, a good track record on that. I think the way that health service and social care, the integration of social care um, and and home care um, into the health service is is been fantastic, and it, it that's really really worked, and that's one of the things that we've done. But you've got the situation where if we were independent then we can could do that. The Lib Dems said let's spend more money on that. Well, we probably already would be because the SNP deliver on our promises. Um, but we would be able to do that. But And it's actually really interesting. This opens up a wider interesting point. The Lib Dems are so, or pretended to be so pro-Europe, or, or so pro-Europe. And Brexit was their mantra. They hated Brexit and they didn't want it and they were against Brexit. And now they don't mention the B word. They never mention Brexit. And I think a lot of Lib Dems are probably really annoyed with that. And a lot of Lib Dems um, will look at that and go, well, actually, if I want to be back in Europe, I need to vote for independence. I'm still a Liberal Democrat. But I should maybe vote for the SNP because the SNP and independence is the way to get Scotland back into a market that's seven times bigger than the UK market. So I think that was a really long answer to your, your local government question, but I think it's really important to look at things on a bigger picture that this all comes back to being um, able to self-govern ourselves. You've said um, the SNP deliver on their promises. What about the attainment gap? What about the A9? What about reforming council tax? What about cuts to mental health budgets? What about cuts to drugs budgets? Yeah. How can you then say that the SNP deliver on their promises when there's, you know, a lot of things where they don't deliver? Yeah, uh, and and that we put our hands up and admit it. And I think Nicola Sturgeon um, and Hamza Youssef are very good at doing that. When we can't deliver on something, we'll put our hands up and admit it. I'm actually surprised you didn't mention ferries there because that's what we seem to always hear. Well, yeah, um, we've well, we, we, we <laughs> heard enough on ferries. Actually, <laughs> we have heard enough the, on the ferries. Re, the reason I actually admit that is because you actually look at the UK government and the amount they're spending on warships, for example, yeah. that aren't working. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a, a bit of a. Yeah. And uh, and for instance, that's that, that's not to say that the ferries thing wasn't. A, a, a gross mismanagement of oh, it funds. was and it was of and course it was um <laughs> i can't believe that slipped my mind as well to be fair but that's <laughs> what i thought well there you go there's another example yeah. so you, there's a lot of things that the snp aren't delivering on to uh -huh. be fair so how can you make the statement to the people of northeast five the snp do deliver on their promises where it's very much the case that they don't deliver on their prom yeah. promises so the things that you mentioned there um are obviously very very important and it's it's sad and um, that we that we have had to either cut funding to certain things or um, we haven't been able to deliver on things. No political party is perfect, and the SNP is certainly not perfect, and we hold our hands up and say that. When things go wrong, like the ferries, um, we admit it. We say that these that things have gone wrong, and we we need to do better. Um, with regards to the funding on on um, drugs, um, I, I'm not sure where where you're getting that from because I've just seen that. Um, read just yesterday, I think it was that uh, we've now got a new minister um, for that, dedicated for that, um, and we are going to um, have more funding to fight drug deaths. And we've now got the new um, drug safety rooms in, room in Glasgow where people can take it, which is going to revolutionise the way that we fight drugs. A large part of this, what especially around drug deaths, is that we haven't had the powers to be able to do certain things and. The fact that we've been like able to decriminalise drugs. Yeah, yeah like I totally the, get that. But you did under Nicola Sturgeon's reign, you did the drugs budget was cut alongside was. alongside mental health budgets. That's that was cut as well. Yeah. She pointed out but, that overall spending since when she first came in had increased, but 
during that tenure, both budgets were yeah. cut. Yeah, and I'll admit that that, that is the case, and um, it's sad that that is the case, but then we go back to that wider picture that I was talking about before. We are in a situation where the Scottish government's budget is finite. We, If we have to spend more money on anything, we have to cut elsewhere. It's, we don't have the luxury of being able to go, oh, we need to spend an extra however much money on something because of this disaster or this whatever's happened so we'll just borrow the money and we'll we'll sort that out we don't have to cut anything that's not the reality we live in we have to spend more money on something we then have to take money from elsewhere and it's unfortunate that that those are the places that we've had to take it from but i think if we had taken it from anywhere people would be up in arms about it um but unfortunately that's the way that the devolution settlement works are you and it's clear you know your your position on the benefits that independence would bring once we're very much you know running and functioning that might take a little bit of time to yeah. get there so for example if the SNP were to get over 50 percent of the vote in the next general election yeah here Starmer against what he says he would do says okay great you can have your independence or you can have a referendum yeah and that wins yeah do you think that period of time of transitioning is what the country needs in terms of the economic you know uncertainty that that would bring for scottish businesses and also the potential for austerity under the finite budget that you talk about with the inability to borrow until we have a full currency up and running so that's a really interesting question i think you need to look at the uh, again the bigger picture if Scotland had voted for independence in 2014 if we had gotten over that 50% mark look at everything that we would have avoided in that that time we would have avoided Brexit because we would have been an independent European nation and it would have been up to the UK government to figure out how the border worked between Scotland and England because it would have been their problem then not ours because they were the ones that voted to leave the EU we would be in a position where we um, had already set up our currency We'd be in a position where we had set up um, how the markets would work and we'd have been independent probably in 2016-ish um, time. 2016-2017 was the kind of the area that we were looking at to be independent, um, to officially um, lose ties with with the, the UK. Um, sorry, actually, that's, that's that was poor choice of words. We wouldn't lose ties with the UK. We would just become a normal independent country with a normal relationship with your neighbour. Um, I've got a quick antidote here, if you if you'll let me. Something I always say to people with um, when it when I talk about independence, and they're they're not convinced that us leaving the UK is a good idea. I always say, well, if you look at the if you um, and your neighbour think about you and your neighbour, right? They've got your house keys. Your wage gets paid into their bank account. Um, they have your car keys, and they decide how you're allowed to decorate your house. Is that fair? No. I was like, okay. Well, what if they gave you a percentage, a very small percentage of the wages that you uh, had? Um, you were allowed to keep your car keys and your house keys, but your neighbour retained the right to take them off of you whenever they wanted. Is that fair? No, that would, that's really not fair. I, that neighbour's not doing that. That is exactly the, the relationship that Scotland is in with England. We are in a, a relationship, um, I don't want to say of abuse, but... We are. We're in a, a relationship of of control where our neighbours control everything that we we have to offer. 
so going back to your question yes i think that we have an opportunity to be independent and i truly believe within the next 10 years we will be independent scotland will be independent and to do that it will there will be some hurt um on the side of um of 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 scotland and that is um inevitable unfortunately there will be some things that we'll have to go through that's going to be difficult changing currency never an easy thing to do but it's not impossible look at all the countries in europe that switch to the euro it's it's possible and it, it happens and it's something that we'll, we'll be able to do so i believe that scotland going independent um although there will be some bumps along the way it's bumps that we are going to be able to ride out compared to the mountains like Liz, uh, Liz Truss's mini-budget, like Brexit, um, like the complete mismanagement of, of the government, uh, the, the finances in the UK, or just the fact that Westminster offers no change. There is no change. And that's why the, the people of Scotland have to vote SNP if they want a voice in Westminster. Because if Labour MPs get in across Scotland, um, if Lib Dem, if Wendy Chamberlain gets in again, in North East Fife, um, then you've, they've not, we've not got a voice. The Scottish people don't have a voice because they bow down to their Westminster masters. Um, look at Anna Sarwar, right? Fantastic politician, right? I put my hand up. He's a great politician, but he's a coward. He has is he has just rolled over and agreed to absolutely everything that Keir Starmer said just to keep his job. And it, it just baffles me. You've got former leader of the, uh, the Labour Party in Kezia Dugdale, who has admitted this week she's voted for the SNP because of Brexit and because there's no choice in Westminster. It's just madness. So we need we need people of Scotland to vote for the SNP to give Scotland a strong voice in Westminster until we can become independent and we don't have to listen to Westminster anymore. So your message to businesses in North East Fife for which you're, you know, you're wanting to run for in mm -hmm. the general election. You want to be their MP. Yeah. And reserve matters are on the economy. That's a very important topic. Your message to businesses is, uh, like you said, you know, you've had the Brexit and the the downfalls of what what's that brought to the country. You've had Liz Truss's <laughs> economic disaster budget. You've also had like COVID as mm -hmm. well. You've got businesses that are on the brink. You've got businesses that are struggling to pay their bills. Is your message to them, hang on longer, we might go through more hurt, but the benefits will outweigh all the potential hurt that might come with transitioning to a fully independent country? Yeah, so I said earlier on that I want to really speak to farmers. Farming um, is a huge part of North East Fife um, and obviously um, their businesses, they're, they're, they are a huge part of it. But we have in North East Fife a really unique and and brilliant business setup because we've got some amazing small businesses in Northeast Five. Um, we've got in in my ward in, in Cooper, um, Cooper High Street is just filled with small businesses who are thriving. Um, obviously they're they're having difficulties, but it's m the difficulties they're having are more because of the costs that they've got. It's not people coming in. People are coming in in swades and spending money, but their costs are going through the roof, their gas, their electricity, and that's all down to the Westminster mismanagement. Um, but then in North East Fife, we've also got huge businesses like Diageo, uh, PepsiCo, Quaker Oats, who are obviously massive multinational companies who choose North East Fife 
to be their home um, and continue to to do fantastically and to expand. I know that Quaker Oats has been doing a huge amount um, in the Cooper area, Diageo and Leaven um, have been expanding and, and been doing loads. So yes, my message is that do you really want to stay in this mess that we have been in and it's not just been for a short period of time it's not like we can just blame one prime minister we can go all the way back to probably even gordon brown tony blair for some of the mess that we are in uh, with a financial crash um that that happened under labor um yes okay it's not necessarily it wasn't all labor's fault but it happened under labor there was things that they could have done that they shouldn't they didn't you then got david cameron um and nick clegg who just austerity 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 which just hurt everybody which then hurt businesses because people just weren't spending money um and then you had what 300 400 other prime ministers since then i'm not sure i've lost count how many prime ministers we've had since then um each of whom have just been one disaster after another um and is that really what you want to stay in and and we're not getting a we're not getting a say in this by the way we've not voted for any of these prime ministers um, Scottish people have not voted for the, these prime ministers. So my message to the people in North East Fife and to the businesses in North East Fife and across Scotland is: if we become independent, we will vote for the people that make these decisions. We will have a say every single time you go to the ballot box. You know that your voice is being heard because you are voting for the people that will make these decisions, and they will be directly answerable to you. At the moment, we at Westminster, we don't have a voice. We haven't voted for the Tories in what sixty years. Yeah, they've been um, in government for the best part of forty, the last 40 years. So we need independence and we need it now. Well, thank you very much, Steph, for having you on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before you go? I just want to say thank you very much and um, that my mum really wants you to sing her a nighttime lullaby because <laughs> she loves your voice. <laughs> Uh, we did have a little chat about this offline. Maybe I need to go into nighttime. So maybe I've been the wrong gig. Who knows? But uh, no, thanks for that, Stefan. No worries. Thanks for having me. Bye.